Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. Got a special guest, Chris Trevino from Fight on 247. Introduce him in just a second, but if you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can call us at 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. You can call, leave a voicemail, or a text. Try to keep all of your questions brief to the point. We can't have uh, two-page questions and emails anymore. We just have too many of them coming in. So try to keep them concise, and we'll do our best to read them all and answer them on the podcast. Let's welcome in uh, Chris Trevino. You can follow him on Twitter, Chris and Trevino. Uh, so he's a USC writer and covers recruiting for Fight on 247. What's up, Chris? How you doing? Hey, Ryan. Doing good. Thanks for uh, having me on this podcast. And no problem. Yeah, we've been talking about doing this for a little while, and we got some some news that we don't know all the details are, but um, you know, if people... New from before, CBS Interactive and 247 Sports purchased Scout, which uscfootball.com has been a part of. Um, and now our two sites will be basically one site. So we'll be kind of merging together. So we'll be co-workers of sorts uh, going forward. So I thought it'd be good to introduce you uh, on the podcast and because people are going to get to know you a little bit better. Now we'll all be part of the same team. Absolutely. You know, we were like in that weird little like nebulous of not really knowing what was going to happen and now we have a little more detail so i'm glad that uh we're moving that along and we're, we can be one finally yeah so we kind of you know we're kind of behind the scenes on some stuff but we'll all be together now we don't know exactly how it's all going to work yet yeah. we're we have a pretty good feel i guess but there's still stuff that's going to be up in the air so we both apologize in advance if there's something that looks a little weird or different um We'll try to work through all those issues together and, and bring you the best product possible covering USC football. Um, let's see. All right. So we had a lot of questions. Uh, we seem to always do this during the season, but this year is like absolutely crazy with the number of questions. And I thought it'd be cool to have Chris come on instead of so a lot of times I'll do a solo show and answer a bunch of questions and we'll do a preview of the game. Uh, I actually put up the preview show yesterday with Barry Bolton from kookfan.com. So I put that up uh, as its own podcast. Um, we actually have Shotgun and Keely are putting their podcast up today too, the the uh, Family Feud podcast, or I think they might have put that up last night. So I think, I don't know, this is, I think, our sixth podcast of the week or something. Uh, wow. little crazy. Wait, we did Monday, Tuesday, two on Wednesday, uh, fifth one. So this will be the fifth one. Um, yeah, it's a little crazy. Uh, but you have any problem answering some questions, Chris? We can kind of do it together and, you know, fans write in some stuff. I think it'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Let's, I mean, let's just jump into it. Uh, don't beat me up too bad. I haven't done a podcast in like three years. So. All right. I'm, I'm rusty. I'm a little rusty. So That's okay. Um, Chris is, if you don't, you know, been out to cra- practice before, Chris is kind of the quiet guy. He's always observing what's going on. So we're forcing him to talk here. So this is good. So it's good practice, Chris, you know? Yeah. I, I, 
10 podcasts a week, I feel like I'm going to have to jump on some uh, <laughs> are, at some point. So might as well get it over with. Yeah, there are a lot. So yeah, just rip the bandaid off. We'll jump right in. Yeah, you'll be fine. Um, okay. So we got a text message question from John and Oceanside. So all the, the basketball news, what's going on this week. He says, does the basketball scandal have any potential impact on the NCAA coming down on USC as a whole, specifically the football program? So John's a little worried about football, Chris. I don't, I mean, I don't really think there's anything to worry about. I know people have been like talking about, I know Cowherd mentioned it yesterday about, you know, maybe the team's a little distracted by it. Um, but I know USC fans are a little, uh, uh, you know, like worried about the NCAA and stuff like that. Uh, I know that was before I got here. So, um, but I don't think there should be any impact with the football team. I don't know how you feel about that, but yeah. I don't really view it as something that should be concern yeah i don't really think so um it's uh it's funny people that's what most of the our fans on the site worry about uh is football stuff um yeah this is it's nothing like last time where there's like institutional control and this was uh and you know for basketball it might even be a good we don't know this is just the tip of the iceberg it might even be a good thing that um tony bland was like one of the first ones because you know, he might be able to provide information and, and get off, uh, you know, relatively light. I'm not, we just don't know. Um, you know, what's the impact on the basketball team that's going to be top 10 or all that stuff? We're not sure, but no, it shouldn't have any impact on the, uh, I don't think so, any impact on the football team. Uh, but thanks for your concern there and your question. We got, uh, we got one from Jeff, the math teacher. He said, hello, Ryan and company. Thanks for all you guys do. Been a listener since podcast number one. Wow. That's uh, that's like 10 years ago, Jeff. Thanks. Um, that's a lot of podcasts. Um, emailing at halftime with a couple of, I think maybe. So this is coming from the Cal game. I think maybe Justin Wilcox, Cal D has more quarterback pressures in one half than they did against Wilk, than they did in Wilcox's whole tenure at USC. That's pretty funny. Uh, I think maybe every pass Cal had completed has been against Iman Marshall. Don't think that's really fair. And then I think, uh, maybe, under Armour has forfeited the chance at ever signing another major college program by touting out these terrible high school Cal, uh, high schoolish Cal unis. That's Jeff, the math teacher. And those are actually, um, memorial uniforms. I think it's Joe Roth was his name. He was, uh, um, he ended up dying of cancer, I believe. I, I hope I'm not screwing this up. And I had beat like USC and UCLA when, you know, at the time as Cal. And this was kind of a throwback to him. So, I think it was more of a memorial jersey sort of thing they do once a year. But any thoughts on those, Chris? I well, I'm going to start with the uniforms. I thought people liked the uniforms, like from the media. I thought they were uh, they got good positive reviews. And uh, full disclosure, I'm a Maryland transplant, University of Maryland, and that's the home of Under Armour. So <laughs> um, we get uh, beat. Uh, but I thought the cow uniforms were fine. And, you know, like you said, they're memorial uniforms. So I think they have a, a lot of good, uh, positive, uh, reinforcement around them. Yeah. I, I forgot. I, there was a story. I believe his name is Joe Roth and like past, you know, so I'm sorry. You can Google that and look it up. I'm, I hope I'm not butchering that story, but, uh, it was definitely a nice story. So, um, it wasn't, uh, you know, it's a, it was a throwback uniform from Cal. And yeah, the just, they, they played hard. Um, so I don't think it was really Justin Wilcox's defense. And it's weird because Wilcox did a, I think he did well most everywhere he was, except really at USC. And, yeah, that was uh, the joke I heard a lot. 
Yeah, was that the thing? Yeah, it was like he didn't do well at USC, but he did other places he did. And I think Tim DeRuiter had a lot to do with this defense. This was more an aggressive defense, and we didn't see a lot of that from Justin Wilcox, like like the uh, emailer said. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. So uh, Tim DeRuiter I got to know pretty well when he was covering Fresno. And, uh, yeah, props to him. I think Wilcox is, did hire a great staff there. And, uh, the, they definitely seem like they turned this around. Cal can play defense, which is, that's the news. Um, that, that really wasn't something that happened before. Uh, Eric and Duck Country, does USC adapt its offensive game plan according to its opponents? They seem to be getting rather predictable. Thanks as always, Eric and Duck Country. Predictable. Yeah, I mean, we definitely see some of that. I, I feel like it's more like sometimes they try to get a little bit too cute with some plays they do, like on the fourth and ones and short yardage situation where they, you know, they come out with that Mustang formation when everyone knows they're going to run it. Yeah. It just goes backwards. So, yeah, I could see that getting a little bit predictable and just trying to do too much when, you know, they have a guy like Stephen Carr and Ronald Jones in the backfield. Yeah, there was, I think sometimes I've talked about this on other shows too, that they, they want to be balanced, but sometimes it's like balanced for the sake of being balanced as opposed to yeah. what's the defense giving you. Um, it's a, I mean, USC has a luxury of they can run the ball really well and they can throw the ball really well. But if a team is taking one of those away, don't try to force it. Use the other yeah. one, you know, and I, I think that's the biggest issue I've seen with this offense. Yeah, I would totally agree with you on that. I would also like to see a little bit more play action. Yeah, you know, we had a question um, a day or two ago, or I think on our live uh, show about that on the, the play action stuff. They do a lot of the RPOs, the run pass options, but yeah. not a lot of traditional play action. But that Mustang formation, like the pistol thing that you were talking about, they do some of that. They did some play action in this game out of it. But this, yeah, it's like that was more of a traditional thing, and we haven't seen this offense really kind of feature that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got a couple from Joe from LA. It's very, very generic. Joe from LA. Um, Clay Helton. Uh, wow. This is, so he's not, uh, this guy's not a Clay Helton fan. So just be, brace yourself. Yeah. Clay Helton is, uh, is the last man I want leading me into battle. He's unintelligent, unimaginative, ill-prepared and weak. It's frustrating to watch bad coaching of good players. Every week USC is undermined and almost beaten because of Helton and his, and his staff's incompetence. Wow. And he says, once again, USC has had far more, the far more talented team, yet barely won. This season's unifying theme. And there is only one reasonable explanation, poor coaching. We never seem to be prepared on any level as our opponents. Mr. T's play calling is dreadfully, is generally dreadful. Um, that's T. Martin. I think he's talking about Clay Hilton may be a nice guy, but I'd rather have a smart, tough guy, a real leader and a coach. Joe in LA. Wow. Cleveland's won 13 games in a row, Joe. Like, I'm not sure what you yeah. want. I wish he told us how he really felt about Clay Helton. <laughs> what do you think, Chris? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we, I've heard stuff like this a lot. Maybe not as uh, scathing as that uh, one from Joe. But, I mean, you just said it. I think there's a lot to be said about winning 13 games in a row at this level of college football. And, you know, you can, you can call, you can say all those things about him, but, the players really back Clay Helton, and I think there's a lot to be said about having the players on your side for a guy like this. He's a, I mean, it's not like he might be a nice guy. He is like one of the nicest dudes you're going to meet, you know? And is he like, 
Nick Saban, elite coach. We don't know. I mean, we don't know that yet, but I mean, the results have been pretty good. You, you know, it's hard to do better than winning 13 games in a row since you got your starting quarterback in there, you know, after the Utah game. And if you're a USC fan, I mean, I, I get it that you want a certain level. And if you, you didn't like the hire from the beginning, um, at some point you just can be like, Hey, you know, I don't like it. Maybe it'll work out. Just kind of wait and see. You're seeing good results. You know, I would wait until yeah. they lose some games until you really get on. I mean, when he was one and three, throw all those stones you want, you know, but he's turned it around since then. Um, but there's, a, there's some fans, Chris, that just don't want to accept it and don't want him to be the coach. I mean, as a Maryland fan, we've had a lot of coaches come through our doors and we've had a lot of losing seasons. So I've learned to just like, when you're winning, just accept when you're winning and you can complain about it later when it's not going well. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny if you're, so if you're a fan, um, and it's say it's, uh, you're in, it's in March, like it's springtime, whatever. And you're looking back on the football season, you'll remember certain things, you know, and you know, if you're at USC and you beat UCLA and you beat Notre Dame, which Clay Hilton did last year, you win the Rose Bowl, which Clay Hilton did. Um, you get revenge against a, a rival that's had your number for like the last decade in Stanford. Like he's hit some key points already that should make your fandom better. You know, um, you know, they have a really good shot at winning the Pac 12. I don't think they're going to be able to win like the national championship. I don't think they're that kind of level yet, but to, to win the Pac 12, that's the next kind of thing. If he's able to do that, even if they look shaky and stuff at times, I think fans in general should be like, Hey, that's pretty cool. Now you want to say, okay, you get to that level. Are you going to be able to compete with Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State and things like that? Yeah, I mean, that's another discussion. But he looks good enough now, Chris, I think, to win the Pac-12. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I like let's say they win the Pac-12, maybe lose one game, and then get into the playoff and maybe lose first round. Like, are you still going to be calling for his head at that point? Like, I, this team is definitely good enough to win the Pac-12, but I don't really understand like how much you complain if you have this great season, another 12-1 season or whatever, and he brings home the Pac-12 title. I mean, at some point you just have to accept that he's the head coach and he's producing results right now. Yeah. Let's go to Marcel in San Bernardino. Uh, is USC held to a different standard when it comes to national media? As soon as the Cal game was over, major online publication, a major online publication tweeted that USC escaped from Berkeley. Did they not watch the second half? USC has played three quality Division I programs, no Mercer or Akron or Sister Marys of the Poor, yet we are expected to blow everybody out every week with no buys. Will the playoff committee take into consideration USC's non-conference schedule and conference schedule? Marcel and San Bernardino. What do you think, Chris? Different standard? I mean... Right. They are. I mean, based on all the expectations, the national media and I guess some of us were putting into this program for what was supposed to happen this year. And so far, they've kind of stuck to that script. They didn't start one and three again. They're four and oh. Um, but this team is expected to compete for a national championship. And so far, they're on track for that. But I mean, when you're winning, maybe not as pretty as people liked for a Blue blood, blue blood program like USC. I mean, yeah, you're going to be held to a different standard. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the committee does take all that stuff into consideration. I mean, USC's played 
This will be five straight bowl games, uh, bowl teams from last year. No one in the country has done that, uh, to my knowledge. So it's uh, certainly not been an easy schedule, but I wouldn't worry about, you know, oh, they're ranked fifth or the, all that stuff just will shake itself out. I mean, it's fine. If USC keeps winning, it's got the schedule is great. Um, they'll be, they'll be like, I don't know what you're worried about, about that. It's, you know, national perception, but yeah, people expected USC to thump Cal. You didn't. Um, you know, you look at the point spreads. We talk about this sometimes on the show. USC's one and three against the point spread. That's basically like what your expectations are, right? Not exactly, yeah. but you, USC was expected to win by 17. They won by 10. Now they were up by 17 and Cal got, you know, a late touchdown and stuff against backups. You know, that's fine. But that, but the whole court, I mean, it was tied going in the fourth quarter. That's what the, the issue was. USC didn't like flex its muscles and distance itself from an upstart Cal team with a first year head coach. So that's, that's why they're going to say they escaped, uh, against Cal. I would think. Yeah, I mean, I, I give credit to Cal. I mean, they're much better than I anticipated them to be. I think I had them really low in my poll to start the season. So, I mean, credit to the Bears. I thought they were much improved in, you know, what Wilcox was able to do in that program in such a short time. Yeah, we I've picked them to be the worst team in the Pac-12, and uh, they are not. <laughs> Oregon State is the worst team in the Pac-12. <laughs> um, did not expect that either, but that's what that's what we're seeing now. Um, well, Marcel had a part two. Uh, will Oklahoma fall in the polls because they barely beat an unranked Baylor team, or does it just apply for USC? Um, no, I don't think they dropped or anything. Um, no, no, it's, it's still, you know, it's fine. Like, don't worry about the polls right now. Like, it's not USC dropped in the polls. Whatever, they'll they'll move back up if they win. They move back up. It's fine. Oklahoma has got to win over Ohio State on the road, so that's. Uh, that's a big one. That's better than te- USC's win over Texas at home. So let's see. We got, uh, oh, he also wanted to know about Penn State because they barely beat Iowa. That was at a crazy, did you see the end of that one, Chris? That yeah, was I caught the very end of it. Um, great atmosphere, amazing play at the end there. Um, I don't, did they drop? I don't think they're going to drop. No. I don't, th- I think they stay the same. I think they're like four. And, uh, but again, like that's all fine. Don't, don't worry about that stuff. The, if you're worried about the college football playoff poll, then you'll see that one when that comes out in a couple of weeks. Like, don't worry about the AP and all that stuff. That just think of how different the season is. USC is four and zero right now. Chris mentioned it. One, they were one and three last year, right? How different did the season go from after week four through the end of the season? It could go completely. You know, we don't know what's going to happen from now to the end of the season, but it, you know, the narrative changed. Like completely, it couldn't have changed any more from USC being one and three, one and three, to winning nine straight. Um, so there's a lot of football left. There's not that much football in a year. You're in you're in June, and you're like, man, I wish football season's here. Well, it's here, so <laughs> so enjoy it. You know, like they're winning games. Try to get some joy out of it. Try to just, this is sports. <laughs> you're supposed to enjoy it a little bit. So have a little bit of fun. Yeah, have some fun with it. Um. I'm, you know, I'm the most, I can be the most cynical guy in the world. Like, trust me, I get it. Like, it's not like I'm, I'm the, the sunshine pumper dude or whatever, but, you know, 13 game winning streak still pretty darn good. Uh, let's see. Jim from Jungle Country. Where is Jungle Country? Where would that be? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. So we had someone say Crown. Now you're not from Southern California. I didn't grow up here, but I've been here a long time. Crown City. Do you know, you know where that is? I do not. That's Pasadena. So I guess for the, the, I don't know. I don't know why they call it that, but 
Um, so we found that out. So we usually get little like tidbits of where these little towns are. I have no idea where jungle jungle country is. So Tim, let us know where that is. Uh, Clay says wins are hard. Wins on the road are even harder. Uh, quote, everyone brings their best game against USC. Well, everyone targets Alabama in their best game too, but they still blow people out at home and on the road. Trojans don't narrow the gap at Cal between their preparation and performance level and, and that of Alabama. This is a team at, at as they are playing, who runs into a shocker in the Palouse. Hope I'm wrong. Um, so he's say, Tim saying that USC is going to get upset in uh, uh, in Pullman. What do you think? Is this you asking me for prediction? Because I've been thinking about this all week. <laughs> I think it's going to happen. Well, just the way th- he's saying the way they've been playing, that means they're going to lose in Pullman. I don't know if you feel that way or whatever. I, I don't think they're going to lose. Yeah. I think there is, I think it'll be a really close game, sort of like the Texas game. Um, a little more offense, but I think USC pulls it out. I, I just think this is one of those, uh, Sam Darnold type games, like the Washington game or the Rose Bowl, where he just makes more plays than the other team and they, they walk out of there. It's kind of how I feel going to the, uh, Friday. Yeah, I, I, I mean, so yeah, for his question too, like, just because USC didn't play well in this game or that game, it just, I just have a feeling this is a game they're going to put it together and they'll be, it'll be like a more Stanford like performance where they'll play really well. Um, and, uh, and, and beat Washington State. Now, Washington State's a really good team. Yeah. Defense has improved. Um, the offensive line a little shaky at times, but the, you know, Luke Falk's amazing. They got great running backs. Um, they got running backs on the bench that would start a bunch of places. Um, playmakers. It's, uh, it's, it's not a, you know, and they have good special teams too. So USC has been kind of weak in the special teams area, but I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be one of the Sam Darnold kind of games where he just plays well. And this one's like kind of a circled game. Like Stanford was a circled game. I feel like this one is going to be too. So, um, just because you don't play well one week or don't blow people out like Alabama does every week. It's, you know, you want to compare USC to Alabama. That's the, the hardest thing to do right off the bat. Like it's Alabama. They're, it's a machine. And Clay Helton's tried to pick up the pieces of a broken machine and put them together. And it's, I think the machine's working pretty well so far. Are they on the same plane as Alabama? I don't think so, but you know, we don't know that right now, but I, I wouldn't think so, but you can only do what you're, you know, what's on your schedule. And right now USC's winning the games on its schedule. I mean, I think if you're a college football fan and you compare your program to Alabama every week by what they do, <laughs> I think you're going to be a little disappointed. Yeah. Like so. maybe, maybe Clemson can right now. I mean, because they beat them last year, but you know, it's not, not easy to compare to Alabama. Just don't do it. That's my advice. Yeah. <laughs> Keith in Oakland. Uh, why doesn't Sam seem to target any, uh, receivers outside of Deontay Burnett? Even with the new group in this week, Sam didn't target, didn't seem to target them. Thanks and fight on Keith in Oakland. I, I just don't think he fully 100% trusts them yet. Um, obviously with Burnett, we know that, you know, that's his guy. He's made big plays over and over with him. He's gone to him in clutch situations, but I just think that. It's one thing to throw around with a guy in practice, make plays with him in practice, but it's another thing to just do it in a live game um, when the bullets are flying and you need you need this guy needs to come up with a catch for you on third down or something like that. And I think that's what we've been seeing a little bit more with uh, Tyler Vons. I think Sam's trusting him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's like seven catches in the last two games after one in the first week or something like that. But I, and you know, going to him in that overtime period, he almost had that touchdown. I think that showed a lot of trust in number 21. And I think that's only growing, but going back to the original question, I just think he doesn't fully trust anyone else right now. And that's still developing. Yeah, it's, um, I agree. And I think, uh, I think you saw him trust Steven Mitchell a little more when he was in there. Um, yeah. seemed, seemed unlikely that Mitchell's going to play in this one. And, you know, they trusted, I think he trusts Tyler Petit. They threw to him a lot. Yeah. Now he had a lot of targets, not as many catches. Um, but they're, they're tight and he, he feels comf- comfortable throwing to him. I, you know, I thought, I thought they really could have used a guy like Kerry Angeline, um, as a dynamic tight end with Daniel Mentor Bebe out, but. Um, Darnold seems to trust him too. So he gets targets as well, but it, yeah, it's not like spread out where everyone's getting three or four. It's like Burnett gets most and then, you know, some other guys, but I think, I think Vaughn's will get a bunch of targets in this game. You know, I think it's increased the last two games and I, I think I agree with you. I think he's going to get a lot this one. I know you're a big Vaughn's guy. I'm also a big Vaughn's guy. So. Oh, good. Yeah. I was, uh, um, one of our, uh, Tarek who writes in. Uh, I was messaging with him last night. He's a big uh, Michael Pittman fan, which I think Pittman can be great, you know, coming back from the injury and stuff. But they're like, why do you like, I'm like, I'm always like touting like Tyler Vaughn's. It's not like I'm close. I mean, I covered him in high school and stuff. It's not like we're, we're, but you know, we'll talk, but it's not like we're like good friends or anything, but I just always liked his game. I like the way he can high point balls and you need receivers need to catch, you know, he's not the fastest or whatever, but he catches balls. And I think when you were seeing, all the drops happening. It's like, Hey, this guy can catch. Like, why is he not playing? So I think you're seeing that now. And, um, I think, you know, emergence, the emergence of guys like that, uh, will allow him to throw the ball and spread it out a little bit more. Cause there's another guy you can trust. So I think you'll see that trust kind of build up more, uh, Friday night in Pullman. For sure. I have, I have a lot of big expectations for Tyler Vaughn this, this Friday. And, if I had a hypothetical college fa- fantasy football team, I'd be starting him this week. Um, yeah, I think he did. You know, it's funny. Shotgun um, does a, the chart of everyone's plays, and yeah. Tyler Vaughn still didn't get the start, even though he played. I think it was like seventy-two of seventy-six offensive snaps. He didn't play the first one, so he didn't get the start. I'm like, but he played essentially the whole game, which is so weird, you know. He got the start on paper, but not. Yeah, he wasn't actually out there for the first play. Right. So weird. But let's go Brian and Reno. First of all, the defense was clutch again. Solid effort all around and a good win on the road against a well-coached team. SC continues to show great poise in tight games. However, it seems to me that the offensive line is struggling a bit. I see them missing blocks or just uh, straight getting beat. Is it just me? And Sam, I know he's the man uh, and all, but do you think he's forcing the ball a little too much, trying to make something out of nothing? Eventually, these interceptions are going to cost them a game, not to mention his Heisman hopes. Don't you think the coaches should address the interceptions at least a little bit? Uh, he was better in the second half, though. Brian in Reno, Nevada. So maybe you want to comment on the offensive line and the interceptions. Uh, I'll start with the Sam thing. I mean, he was asked about that this week, and he kind of said, yeah, I'm definitely forcing the ball too much at times. And he kind of chalked it up. Kind of do too much, just like uh, Brian said, and he he said he needs to do a better job of just uh, taking what the defense gives him 
I know, you know, he has that gunslinger mentality. He always wants to go uh, for the big play. But there are a couple of plays, like in the Texas game, where I saw that he had people open. He had, like, Stephen Carr open in the flat. He had Kerry Angeline open in the flat. Sorry, that was the Stanford game. But there were times when you see he has people open, like, underneath, but he opts to go for the, the deep ball instead. And sometimes those don't always work out for him this year, at least early. So I think it is just him trying to put the offense a little bit too much on his shoulders, um, considering the new cast of weapons he has. And as far as the offensive line, I mean, they're definitely struggling right now. I, in the Texas game, there was a lot of physical beats that we saw. They were just bringing more people than they had to block. So that's obviously going to lead to some issues, um, dealing with a lot. So. Yeah. We'll see. I think uh, I like the offensive line as a group. I think they've had a couple of bad games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see kind of where they go from here. They're going to have to play well up in the Palouse. All right, let's. Uh, we got a voicemail question, Chris. Here we go. Ryan Harvey, uh, I love everything you do on the podcast, and uh, I love SC football. Uh, what's very uh, disheartening to me is uh, it's about the injuries and. Uh, for example, like Ronald Jones, I've followed this young man, we've recruited this young man, and he doesn't play in the last game, and I don't hear about it until the next day. What's up with the injuries? How can, can we find out this more clearly? Thank you for your time. Interesting. So he wants, to, so I guess you can uh, find out about the injuries by reading our site. <laughs> we, we talk about it. You can follow us on Twitter. Um, it looks like Ronald Jones is going to play, though, Chris. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of came out and said at point blank on uh, Tuesday that he'll be ready for Friday. So he's itching to play. I mean, he said he felt like he missed a month missing uh, that Cal game. So he's definitely hungry to get back out there, and I think he's going to play without a doubt. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think just having him available uh, will be helpful. Um, you know, having that kind of an option not in the running game uh, certainly didn't help. You know, Stephen Carr is great, but it's. I think yeah. it's good as a one-two punch. You know. Oh, without question. Yeah. Man, we have so many here. I didn't even realize how many <laughs> there were. Um. So we'll we'll try to rapid fire through some of these. This is see. You know, Chris isn't the like normally. Chris, my guests are like extremely verbose. Like they'll just they'll they'll like ten minutes to answer one question. You're not like that. It's good. I'm usually not like that. So we're we'll get through all these. But the others a lot. Um. I didn't really so. Just to like how the sausage made like inside baseball stuff. We were getting so many emails. I had uh, Connor, who's a new intern, kind of like take over that email account and then like put them in a Google Doc for me. So I would like and and divide them up because it was like it takes a while to read them all and stuff. Um, so he was doing that for me, but I didn't re- I didn't even realize how many had come in. Um, <laughs> so we had a bunch for Coach Harvey Hyde. We had a bunch for Dan Weber. Even a couple we sent to like Keely and Shotgun, but. The, the, the general mailbag, the one that wasn't specific that I usually answer by myself was like as big as we've, as I've never had it this big before. So there's a lot. Um, so we got Nick says, hello, Trojan fans. This is Nick from Cyprus, aka Big Nick 21 USC from the P. Question is simple. What second half adjustments on defense you noticed in that changes the game and tilted it towards USC's favor? Uh, so yeah, what, I guess what second half adjustments did you see made, Chris? Well, full disclosure, I wasn't in Cal, so it was a little hard, and my stream wasn't that great. But 
I mean, I didn't really get to be able to see how much they played. I know they played Dime a lot, and I know I don't really know how much they played in that second half. Um, but I don't know. This is a tough one to answer. But I thought that they got just got they got more pass rush. They got a better pressure on uh, Bowers, and you know he tried to force some things, and that obviously they still didn't score in the third quarter, which is great, and that you know. Holding that field goal attempt, holding him out of the end zone was obviously big. Uh, that kind of changed momentum for them. Yeah, I would say, I mean, the pass rush for sure. Um, they got a lot of pressure with just three and four man rushes, but I yeah. thought they did some exotic stuff too, like, you know, a little more aggressive in the play calling, a little different, you know, yeah, it's, I think he likes to kind of feel things out early and then make some changes in the second half. And that usually works out pretty good. Uh, all right. Neil from Manila. Uh, we love the international questions. When Joseph Lewis returns from injury, who deserves to see the field and more targets, Pittman or Lewis? What do you think? Pittman or Lewis? Is that the? Yeah. So if, when Lewis comes back from injury, do you think Pittman deserves more or Lewis? Um, I really like Lewis, but I'm going to say Pittman just because. He's older, and I just kind of want to see. And he hasn't really had the opportunity. You know, he's been injured. Yeah. He hasn't been 100%. So I'd really like to see what uh, Sam and him can do together. Um, I still think Lewis deserves some targets. I mean, I think he deserves more snaps. But I'm going to go with Pittman just because he's the veteran, and he hasn't really had his chance uh, yet early in the season. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. It's, I think it's going to depend on who Darnold feels more comfortable with. I'm guessing it's going to be Pittman. He also wants to know, should Tyler Vaughn be targeted more? Uh, duh, yes. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm the big, I'm the Tyler Vaughn, like, uh, fan club president or something, apparently. Uh, Otis. Hey, Ryan. Well, listening to the Cal game, I had that light bulb moment. USC is missing, uh, wide receiver Juju Smith, athlete Dory Jackson, tight end Daniel Ametor Bebe, and offensive guard Damian Mama. Point being, Sam Darnold is being asked to play at the same level with the second string offense. So until they mature and just went ugly, I will give them a lot of slack. It's interesting. That's from Otis. What do you think? I mean, I think he's right. They did lose a lot of key guys. They don't have some key veterans, I think. Uh, and that's, I think that's kind of what some of the issues are with just the team kind of finding an overall rhythm, especially on offense. Um, a lot of new faces. Um, I still think the chemistry is being worked out. So, I mean, I agree, I, I agree with that. I didn't, when you read all the names out, it's like, wow, they did lose so many people. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of different factors, but again, they, they've not looked great, but they're four and oh. So that's, uh, that's a good thing. They didn't look great last year and they were one and three. So you're, you would take this all day long, I would think. Um, this is a quick one. Brian K. Edwards, uh, as a member of the media, do you guys cheer for USC during the games? For example, last week during the Texas game, we were on the sidelines for the game winning kick. Do you cheer or have to remain neutral? Um, yeah, Brian, we can't, no, you're, we actually sign stuff. Like you can't be a booster. You can't have season ticket stuff. You can't, you know, there's all this stuff you can't do. You're in the media. You're in the media. Like, um, you know, I went to USC, like Chris went to Maryland. I went to USC undergrad and grad school. Um, I don't really own any USC gear anymore. I mean, I did when I was in school and all that stuff, but as a, as a media member, that's not, uh, that's not what we're, 
that's not what we're supposed to do. So no, we're not cheering on the sideline. They they announced before every game, no cheering in the press box. It's a working press box. So uh, there's pretty clear rules and cheering uh, for the team you cover is uh, against those rules. And I mean, it's, like, it's, yeah. it's definitely exciting to be down there on the sideline though when a great yes. game's going on. But yeah, there's no cheering. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if that's going on, there's there yeah, there's something something wrong. But sorry, Brian, no, that's. Uh, you lose a little bit of that fan. And not, you know, you know, Chris Fall is a team that's on the other side of the country. Even like the teams, like my Steelers teams, like just being in the media, I've not, I feel like I lost fandom for other sports even. It's just hard to continue like being like a passionate, like fan of something when you're kind of doing this behind the scenes stuff all the time. It's just, it's a job. It's a business now and you want to do your job well, but it's just, I, I don't know. I felt like I lost some of it. I don't know if you did at all, Chris, but. Oh, 100%. My fandom is really turned down a little bit, mainly because, yes, I am so far away from uh, the Terps or whatever. But, yeah, I find myself not watching my favorite teams as much just because I'm around, uh, you know, sports 24-7. So sometimes I like a little break. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's weird. Like, I'm a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and I still, you know, I still like them. I still want them to win, but I'm not, like, I don't, like, wear, like, Steelers gear or stuff anymore. And this is weird. I don't know. You lose a little bit of it, but. Um, Curtis, the Marino Valley, he said, hello, Trojan fans. Us Peristyle fans have become spoiled. We have won so many games in a row now that most wins this year, we still complain. The offense is not perfect, but when we take, uh, but when we take what you give us, we move the ball. And with 39 seconds left with no timeouts, I now trust them. The defense need, needs work, but they seem to sack the quarterback, intercept the ball, tip passes at the line of scrimmage very well. They also make opponents punt often. Sam has not been perfect either, but it's nice to have a pro quarterback when crazy, with crazy athletic ability. I wouldn't want anyone else. When the offense is down, the defense picks up the slack and vice versa. When the young coaching staff makes mistakes, we overcome it. The team just finds a way to win in double overtime or in regulation. Stop the complaining fans and enjoy the winning. It's been a long time since we won like this, and even if they make my blood pressure go up, just win. I'm proud of this team. Fight on. Curtis and Marino Valley. I think Curtis took our advice from earlier in this podcast. Where we told children fans to have a little fun, fun with it, and just enjoy what's going on. So, shout out to Curtis. Yeah, nice job, Curtis. That was that was well well said. Um, hey Ryan, this is Gene in Orange County. Uh, love your show, never miss it. Am I the only one that sees this? This is the worst secondary I've ever seen. I see. Now we got some negativity going on. Uh, I've. Uh, if they were playing man to man tight, they almost always get beat. If they are playing loose, uh, they're men wide open. Our pass defense is making average quarterbacks look great. Darnold, on the other hand, has to thread the needle on every pass as our ends always, uh, are always covered tightly. How can this be? We recruit only four and five stars. Is it, extre- is it extremely poor coaching or are the players overrated? Our play calling continues to be a problem. Let's give it up. We are not a power running team. Let's play to our strengths. Let Sam pass the ball. When we're trying to run the clock out in a close game, we run three times in a row for hardly any gain, and then any gain, and then it's fourth and long, and we punt. Helton is the head coach, and he's responsible for these mistakes. We need to make changes before we play a good team. Gene from Orange County. Okay, so that's the exact opposite of the last. <laughs> oh, I don't think this is the worst secondary I've ever seen, but. I think Jack Jones has played well. What about you? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Shotgun gets on this, people, too. People would just love to just thrash Iman Marshall and Jack Jones and stuff. And it's like, 
we had one question where I know he had two interceptions, but he still sucks. And you're like, okay, so you just don't like him. Like you've made a decision at some point that you don't like him. So if he plays well, you're not going to even acknowledge it at this point. I mean, if Iman wants to go to Maryland, we'll gladly take him over there. We can use the help. So USC fans don't want him. We'll gladly take him. All right. Uh, let's see. We got Don watching YK. He's talking about Akili Ross return the interception. Uh, he may need, he, he may need to be considered as a kickoff or punt returner. Um, that's his first point. Actually, I talked to him about that a little bit. He, he said he talked to John Baxter about it. He did look good returning that ball. He's he's just a natural athlete with the ball in his hand. Uh, I think it was Tuesday practice uh, going into the Cal week. He was actually back there with uh, Jack Jones. I don't think he was actually taking punts. He was just like back there chatting with them, and he was like kind of bragging to uh, Jack about how he returned a punt in the Army Bowl when he was in high school for a touchdown. So I think he's definitely like chomping at the bit to get a chance to do that. Yeah, he, I think he did got at least one, well, at least I saw one where he caught it and like immediately took a knee or like the catch brought him down to his knees so it didn't get a return. Um, he caught the ball, but that's obviously not ideal. Um, but he looked good. I mean, he said he was really tired after that return, but he looked really good doing it. Yeah, let's give, let's give YK some more, uh, pun returns. I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, it's, uh, like a Jana Harris, it was, did you find that interesting that a Jana Harris wasn't like healthy enough to like play in the secondary, but he could do punt returns? Yeah, that was a little weird to me. I don't, it was the knee sprain and I don't see why not try someone else there when you can't even play nickel. I guess maybe just because they, they knew they were going to throw a lot. So they knew he probably couldn't go 100% for like 70 plays or whatever, but he could do like five punts. I don't, but I, I didn't really understand it. Yeah, that was weird. Um, we got a long, Rich, Rich, uh, Townsend sent in a really long one. Dude, too, too long. It's like multi-paragraph. We can't read all that stuff. So I'm sorry. So send them in next time. Make sure you, uh, kind of cut them down a little bit. Steven in Nashville, Tennessee said, I love the podcast and the work that goes into the excellent coverage of USC football. Well, thank you for that, Steven. I don't know if this has been addressed, but I wanted to ask. It seems likely that Tennessee coach Butch Jones may not survive this season. Folks in Knoxville seem to have given up on him. Uh, do you think there's any chance that T. Martin would be considered as a replacement? His legacy as a national championship quarterback, reputation as a great recruiter, and success at USC would seem to be attractive. Uh, what do you think? Steven in Nashville. One of my good friends is actually a huge Tennessee fan, like massive Tennessee fan. And he actually texted me. I think it was the after the Florida loss. He kind of he texted me and he was like, "I'm ready for the T Martin era to begin in Nashville." So, I think fans are ready for uh, the T Martin experiment in uh, Tennessee. But I think I always kind of figured that if USC had another good year, um, that he might you know, start looking to make the jump to a head coach somewhere. Yeah, I think um I think he's gonna be like a hot candidate if USC yeah. continues to win. Now he's been there's been some criticism of him and the play calling the last couple of games. So if if the offense continues to struggle and you have this 
you know, number potential number one pick in the draft and the offense isn't doing well, that's not going to reflect well on him. But his, I think he's built up the reputation. It's only his second year calling plays. If they finish well, it'll be fun. like, you know, he'll probably be considered, um, for some jobs. Now that's a big jump to go for really, sure. you know, to go to Tennessee. My wife is a Tennessee grad, huge, huge fan. She's on vault Twitter, like all the time tweeting about stuff and Butch Jones and stuff. She loves T Martin. He'll, He'll ask me about her like after practice. And I, you know, I talked to him, uh, I think it was like a, the, the Tuesday practice, like it's a defensive day. So we don't really talk to the offensive coaches, but I just chatted with him real quick about the Tennessee Georgia game coming up and stuff. He definitely follows all that stuff. Um, I think he would take it in a heartbeat. I mean, that's obviously a huge head coaching job. Yeah. I don't know if Tennessee would hire him. Um, now Philip Fulmer's back in the mix there. Uh, you know, he was ousted. He's back around in the athletic department now. Um, so I think that's, there's potential that they would do that. It would likely be a reach since he's never been a head coach, but I, I couldn't see him turning that down. I mean, that'd be silly for him to turn something like that down. Um, I actually did a Nashville radio show this week and they, we talked about that a little bit with Bill King in Nashville and his wife is a big, you know, she's in the music industry and stuff. They, they love it in LA, but I think that would be hard to pass up. What do you think, Chris? Oh, it would be absolutely, he'd be foolish not to take that. I mean, get to be where you uh, were a legend, be the head coach. That's also really hard to do, but I don't think it's likely, but I wouldn't count it out. Um, and he would definitely jump at that, that was presented to him. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got, I think we got a couple more. Um, actually just one more. Uh, when Port Augustine went down, the talk was that Connor Murphy was going to take his spot. We really haven't seen much of Murphy. Any idea why he hasn't gotten more playing time? Dags and fight on Rex in Georgia. Um, I guess because Christian Rector is playing out of his mind right now. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. I mean, when I saw Murphy come in, he was just kind of a guy. When you see Rector come in, he was making plays. So I think, I mean, it's probably as simple as that. Yeah, I, I mean, I really, I, I really like Murphy's potential, you know, with that size and everything he brings to the table. But I don't think he's like ready yet. Rector's obviously ready, and he's doing everything and more that this team needs for him to do. So, but I think Murphy definitely needs some more snaps yeah. to get comfortable, which has always been the problem with the rotation and everything. So he's basically an inexperienced sophomore. So. Yeah. Uh, but he, he had some opportunities. It just, yeah, he didn't really have any wild moments when he was in the game. Like even like a, a Levi Jones came in for one game against a uh, one play against Texas and got a quarterback yeah, he, pressure, you know, like one play. Um, yeah, I don't really, I've, I've seen him in, but I don't, I can't recall off the top of my head anything where I said, wow, Connor Murphy. That was, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't just recall anything off the top of my head where I was like, Connor Murphy definitely needs to be starting or anything like that. Yeah. And he's so tall, Mm -hmm. you would expect maybe to bat a couple balls down because this is a team that's really good at doing that. So even if he didn't get pressure, if he batted a ball down or two, I think that's like something like, oh, he can do that. Um, so it's just, he's going to get some opportunities. He just needs to get in there and, and make the most of it. I think when he gets, when he does it. Um, actually, we do have a few more. I'm sorry. I, there was, there's, there's so many, um, but they're not, they're not bad. 
Uh, Trojan War Machine, uh, Bill, he's AKA Trojan War Machine. Uh, do we even have a fullback to run a two back power set? And are the guys calling the plays blind or are they just going to figure out that everyone is going to game plan us like Texas from now on until we figure out how to combat it? Um, how about putting a tight end and one of the bigger receivers split out with Stephen Carr behind them every play? And when Rojo with Rojo in the backfield, if they stack the box, throw it to Carr. If they don't, you can run or pass without being stuffed. I really doubt most teams could stop Carr and two blockers with only three guys very often. Uh, that's Trojan War Machine, Chris. They do have a fullback. His name yeah. is Ruben Peters. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think with something that would really help in terms of, you know, everyone's game planning like Texas, if you could throw the ball down the field a little bit better. Clay had mentioned that teams are actively, you know, stopping the run and they're kind of putting everyone in the box to force, uh, to stop what, uh, USC has back there with Rojo and Carr. And it would definitely help if, Sam could connect down the field more and uh, keep the defense honest. Um, I do kind of like that idea, though, with uh, putting a tight end out there. Yeah. I mean, I know people uh, got on where we're talking about Kerry Angeline is blocking, but that's something he definitely could have done as a six foot seven uh, monster. Were you uh, shocked by that? The transfer? Yes, and a little bit no. Um, I was shocked because, you know, Carrie Angeline was always like one of my, like, he was kind of like Tyler Vaughn's for you as Carrie Angeline is to me. I was someone I was always like really big on and I thought he could, I thought he was going to have like a big year this year. Um, but the fact that, you know, he was barely even playing. And it was kind of confusing why he wasn't playing. And I don't think you can just chalk it up to blocking because he's a six foot seven receiver. Yeah. There's a way to get him the ball. Um, but I mean, I don't really, the homesickness is probably a little bit of the factor. I, I could probably understand a little bit of that having moved out here. And I was definitely very homesick when I moved out here. Um, so in some ways I'm not surprised. In some ways I am. Very surprised that they're losing a guy of his talent. Yeah, um, I thought the. I mean, the fact that he didn't get a snap against Texas was just baffling to me. So I'm. I don't know exactly what's going on there. I. I felt like you. Like this guy can really help this team win. You know. Um, and the fact that he didn't, you know, you get why he's going to transfer. It's like, hey, you're playing these true freshmen above you when. We haven't seen those true freshmen, one of them who's hurt uh, most of fall camp, perform better than him in practice. It's just kind of like, okay, so what else is going on here? Um, just seemed a little strange to me, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Wish him the best. I mean, really nice kid. Uh, you know, wish him the best going forward. Yeah, super nice kid. Super nice kid. Yeah. Uh, okay, two quick ones. Eric at Duck Country, is the Pac-12 network profitable? If not, who's fitting the bill? Thanks as always. Um, I think, I'm not sure exactly. I, I don't, not some financial guy. Just the distribution that the schools get from the Pac-12 network are very small. They don't publish any rank, uh, any, um, ratings. Uh, and 
John Wilner did a great piece about this. Like there were like basically zero people watching most of the Olympic sports. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on the Pac-12 network, Chris? I actually don't get the Pac-12 network, so <laughs> I'm not one of those watching. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I don't really have an opinion on that. It's, we get a lot of kind of complaints and questions about it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's who's fitting the bill. It's like the schools basically own the schools own the Pac-12 network and they're not even given the television ratings for the network. Um, they keep that close to the vest. So Wilner had to do investigative stuff just to try to find out some information on ratings. So there's a reason why they're not sharing that stuff. Um, the last one, Stephen Beaumont, the Pac-12 wants to shorten games. Uh, why don't they start USC games at the fourth quarter? <laughs> but that's good for you. I think all the deadline runners would like that. So yeah, <laughs> um, USC hasn't scored in the last three third quarters, uh, but they've done really well in the fourth quarter. So that's kind of an interesting one. Yeah, I remember you talking about the third quarter problems, and I can't remember. Wasn't there a team like that last year? Just Penn State was a good, right? That was the Penn State that was really good at scoring in the fourth quarter. Yeah, year. yeah, and it's funny. And then USC shut them out in the fourth quarter, like they had, a, <laughs> which was weird, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't always mean a lot. Like Shotgun pointed out, like against Cal, USC had like a long drive that was mostly in the third quarter. Um, you know, so it's yeah, but whatever, it's uh. It is that, what it is, but that, that was funny. Yes, USC, if they play the way they play in the fourth quarter, they would be fine. That being said, I don't think USC wins Friday if they don't start hot in the first half. Yeah. Like, well, that's what Washington State does well. They, I've, they never, it's like 95 to 18 or something, like they outscore opponents in the, the first half or first quarter or something. So it's uh, this is a fast-starting Washington State team. On the road, they get a fast start, and Washington State's been at home all like they're all four games have been at home. So this is their fifth straight mm-hmm. home game, which is nuts, you know. So if you get if the crowd gets into it early, it's just you know I could see USC kind of struggling for a while, and you know maybe winning at the end. But if USC can jump out to a quicker start, then it might be a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, one I agree with you one hundred percent. Even Rojo said it like uh, we love making the crowd go quiet. Well, you're really going to need to do that uh, <laughs> Friday. Yeah. Martin Stadium. It's a, it's a fun little venue up there. So they, they, I forget which year they remodeled it, but I was there, I think in 2014. Uh, actually, we got to see Luke Falk, um, come into that game. Uh, nice. Connor Holiday got hurt and he came in, the former walk on and, uh, obviously he's had a great career from there. He's going to set like all the Pac 12 records and everything. He set a bunch of them already, but, um, He's third now, right? I believe that's like a touchdown or pass. something or passing number. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty nuts. All right. Well, hey, Chris, Chris Trevino, check him out. Uh, for right now on Fight on 247, very soon on uscfootball.com. I, that's what we think it's going to be, but we'll let you know, uh, sometime next week. But thanks again, Chris, for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Glad to be on the podcast that started it all. Yeah. We got it all going. So. Uh, thanks for coming on, Chris Trevino. I hope you guys all enjoyed all of the podcasts from this week uh, on the Parastyle Podcast. Uh, 
Stay tuned for our next episode, probably coming up on uh, Sunday or Monday after the game. But thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.